Welcome to the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is a place where warriors are shaped. I'm your host, Danny Temras, and it is my personal mission to help you awaken your warrior spirit. Fearless Warrior isn't the one who has no fear. It is a warrior who stays with the fight no matter the struggle, fear, or circumstances. The real warriors have the discipline, grit, and tenacity to chase their dreams and stay on their path. Are you one of them? Tune in and learn from the warriors of today and start carving out the warrior within. The deepest relationship you'll ever have is the one with your body. Dr. Liana Rodriguez. From the cradle to grave, your body is with you, and it listens at every step of the way. It knows your thoughts, your emotions, and desires. It remembers how you've responded to past events and draws patterns based on your previous behavior to prepare for the future. Your body is truly genius. Today, I sit down with Dr. Liana Rodriguez, and together we unpack how you can foster a positive relationship with your body and support the healing process, even if all of your past attempts have failed. Entrepreneur, functional medicine physician, and Air Force veteran, Dr. Liana is the founder of Rejuvenist Health, the premier resource for working professional women to shed hard-to-lose weight and transform their health. Dr. Liana has been helping women who are chronic yo-yo dieters to lose weight, utilizing a root cause approach and metabolic detox without pharmaceuticals, giving up coffee, or spending endless hours in the gym, while also helping them to reframe their mindset and sustainably keep it off. Early in her career, while working in a molecular biology and genetics lab, she decided to switch gears and attend osteopathic medical school. After almost a decade of practicing conventional internal medicine and forced on a path to heal her own body, she started additional training in functional medicine, which then led her to starting her own practice and opened up the world of entrepreneurship, personal development, and coaching, which is where she is today. In this episode, we dive into Liana's path of healing and how she went from an overworked doctor struggling with her own health to a successful health coach and entrepreneur helping others with the same issues she struggled with. We discuss how you can better understand the language your body speaks, how to pay attention to the subtle clues, and discern what they mean. We talk about the importance of the right evening routine so you get to wake up like the boss. We discuss how you can leverage detox for weight loss, what it means to detox outside of the social media craze, and how you can help your body heal. There are so many more questions we dive into, so stick around and enjoy this fabulous conversation with Dr. Liana Rodriguez. Liana, welcome to the Fearless Warrior podcast. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm super excited for for you to be here. You have so much knowledge and expertise. I can't wait to dive into it. Thank you. Yeah. When you and I get together, we can probably like really jam out. (laughs) That's right. All the wonderful things about health and wellness and how we can help our body heal. It's always such a fascinating topic for me. So probably before we start, Liana, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Right. So I am a osteopathic physician. And, you know, you said in my bio, I've had a pretty long journey uh, to where I'm at today. I've had a lot of changes happen in my life that were forced and necessary, but actually ended up transforming my life at every step of the way to be better, actually, and transform it into 
what it is today, which is, you know, where I feel like I'm in such a good place right now. I am um, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, <laughs> so I'm a proud New Yorker. And my journey through medical school and practicing medicine actually really burned me out. And I had to reclaim my body, reclaim my mind. And I had to really figure out um, how to heal myself because my conventional medical training failed me. And when I, when I realized that I couldn't help myself, it's what really opened my eyes to the awareness that I could be doing so much more for other people as well. Right. So when I delved into functional medicine from my conventional medicine practice, it's when things really started to shift for me. And I started to really, you know, experience that paradigm shift as to how I saw what creating health actually really was versus delivering sick care to people. And when I delivered that health care to myself first and started to fill myself up from years of really chronic, episodic depression, anxiety, yo-yo dieting, um, hard to lose weight, then I really came out the other side so much more aware and in tune with my body in ways that I never learned in medical school, right? So, I'm, and I know that you can resonate, that some of that journey resonates with you and your journey too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it looks like we share a lot of those struggles in common. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's kind of how I've got to where I am today. And, and even the journey didn't stop there for me. I took practicing functional medicine to the next level because what I found was that people were still coming to see me in this disempowered mindset where they would show up at my office kind of expecting me to give them a fix and fix them. And uh, there was this, you know, something missing, right? And what was missing was this lack of ownership, you know, this lack of um, kind of parenting and, and, and responsibility for their own health, for themselves, uh, because they were looking for something external outside of them to rejuvenate themselves, right? And what I wanted to teach them was that they really do have a lot of the power within them already to heal themselves, but also all they needed to learn were some foundational tools and also some experience as to how to apply them. And that's really where the, because that's what I did for myself, right? And that's where the term rejuvenist health came from is because I turned myself into a rejuvenista, right? So a goddess who can heal herself from the inside out, um, regardless of external circumstances and situations. So yes, that's my, my journey through my practice. And that's why I took it to the next level and started health coaching and really becoming a coach for, for women um, who are in that place where I was with so much fatigue, no energy. At my worst, I was having five Americanos from Starbucks a day just to get me through hospital rounds and clinic days. Um, and I remember that deep, dark place, and it felt like I wanted to work out, I wanted to be healthy, but I had no energy to do that, and I had no clue where to start. So a lot of what goes into healing really is more the mindset piece, right? The, some personal development that a lot of people really haven't delved into. They think of their mindset and personal development as separate from their health. But to me, it's all connected, right? Just like all the like systems biology and all the systems of the body are connected. So yeah, so that now that's kind of where I'm at. Um, you know, I'm loving entrepreneurship and coaching and also 
really helping people on their healing path and reconnecting them and their mind to their body and restoring that connection so that they can learn the discernment for themselves as to how to like heal and also to create health. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. That's so exciting. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into your journey and some of the struggles that you uncovered. So you said that you struggled with depression, you're dieting, low energy. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. How did it unpack? And when was kind of the pivoting point when you decided, okay, no more, I have to figure this out? So for me, I really feel like I went through a lot of my life asleep. <laughs> and I really wasn't this active participator in my life. And I'll be honest with you, like still to this day, I haven't unpacked why I was that unconscious. But I'll tell you this, when I woke up, I was like, oh, wow, a lot needs to change. And because I've been on and off antidepressants and, you know, other pharmaceuticals for anxiety and really nothing ever helped me. So what I realized, uh, and this was like, you know, really in my mid thirties, finally, where I realized I was so out of alignment with my purpose, you know, my life did not look at all what I had expected it to. Right. And I really felt like things just got harder and harder for me. And so the depression was episodic because I would do things like very, you know, very physical, masculine energy things to get myself out of it, right? Like I would literally just go in and work out like a mad woman, right? Like every single day and do like hour long workouts. And that helped, right? Because it changed my biochemistry. My, I was changing my physiology, but it didn't last long, right? So I'd go through these periods where I'd feel good and then I'd dip back down. And so that was where... It just became this chronic, you know, peak and valley of how good I felt in my life. And, um, you know, obviously some anxiety came with that because the anxiety was me just not knowing um, when I was ever going to feel better, you know, and here I am, you know, kind of walking through life, not not really actively participating and creating it intentionally. Right. I just wasn't living life intentionally at that point. Um, just kind of going along with the motions. Cause like when you go to med school, you know, you, you, you kind of get funneled into, you know, your rotations for clin you know, your clinical rotations and then your specialty and residency. And it's just like this, it happens so fast. And, you know, for me personally, I just really didn't stop to take stock in intentionally creating a future that I wanted, that I would love, that would feel good to me, you know, um, and so um, because of that episodic depression that I was going through, you know, every time I went through it, I would gain weight, right? And then I'd lose a little bit and then I'd gain it right back. And so I was yo-yo dieting. And um, for me, um, kind of the no, my no plan B moment happened when I wanted to join the Air Force. So I was 70 pounds overweight when I wanted to join and they were like, hey, we'd love to have you, but you don't pass the fitness standards. And that was like the first time anyone had ever said, you know, something to me that, you know, kept me from doing what I wanted to do because of my health or my weight. And that's when um, I really started delving into figuring out, OK, I've got it. How do I get my body on board um, with 
my mind and my life and, and, and really be healthy. So it took me some years even after that to figure it out. I guess it's not a spoiler alert, but like I lost the weight and I was able to, <laughs> I was able to join the Air Force, right? And that really fueled and inspired me. But even still after that, I gained weight again and I was still yo-yo dieting because when I started my residency, I was working 80 hours a week and I would flip between like high carb, low fat on days when I would like go to work. And then when I was off of work, I'd flip it around, right? So I was essentially, you know, I was eating like, you know, then I'd eat high fat, low carb. So I was yo-yo dieting even within the midst of like two weeks um, because I really had no control over my schedule when I was working 80 hours a week. So I'd had that no plan B moment when it was like almost a progression of them. Like I had, okay, I got to figure this out. And so, you know, even years after starting my functional medicine practice, I delved even deeper into it to really transform my healing. And, you know, obviously, uh, address my gut health and address my metabolism. And then I, I realized, wow, I, what's, I, I did some genetic testing in myself and I realized I need some more support in the ways of my detox pathways. And I'd lived in a place where I'd gotten mold toxic and just, you know, tons of other, you know, metabolic things going on that was contributing to my depression. So I had to really get my mindset on board to start addressing all of those physical symptoms that I was having and it wasn't easy going through life with all of that, right? I mean, it was just like this constant up and down thing. But I think probably about three to four years, probably four years ago is when I, I'm sorry, no, like more like five years ago is when I really delved into personal development. Uh, and that's what helped really pull me out um, and wake me up, right? To like finally figure out how to live intentionally and and actually move towards the kind of life that I really want to have that's going to bring me joy. Um, so that's the journey that I, I kind of went through. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much to unpack. So, you know, I'm curious. So there are a few questions I wrote down. So first, when you were noticing that you were kind of going through the emotions, you're working 80 hours a week, how did this impact your performance um, um, as a doctor? You know, has it affected you in any way? You know, back then, I mean, we're talking like, gosh, we're talking like at least a decade ago now at this point, you know, at that time I was a workhorse. I could crank out work, but the way it affected me was it just made me, a, it made me kind of a miserable person to be around. I saved up my energy for my good bedside manner. <laughs> you know, I, I'd have like, <laughs> I'd save up my energy to like really like care for people and show up in a way that I had good energy and I could have good rapport with patients. But then like, as soon as I left that room, like everybody else in my life and even myself would just get like the, 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 like, you know, um, <laughs> like the, the, the B, what do they call it? Like, uh, the B shift of me, right? Like the night shift part of me where I was just literally running on coffee and walking around like a zombie. So that's kind of how it affected me. And, you know, if you were around me back then, I was really a very irritable and short-tempered person. Yeah, you could say that probably you could assign, you know, sugar or the extra caffeine, right? Like of sleep and all of that to all of these um, symptoms, right? That started showing up. Absolutely. And that, you know, they didn't help, right? I mean, I no. was using <laughs> those things to literally function and it was a catch-22, right? You use those things so that you can get over the symptoms and at least be able to function. But then you don't realize that you're doing yourself in at the back end because they're making things worse underneath the surface. Exactly. And, and until you're able to 
make a full reset, which I want to get back to very quickly. But you mentioned Air Force, and I really like it that that was kind of the, the pivoting moment for you. So what inspired you to join Air Force in the first place? Actually, I joined, says gosh, just so long ago now, I joined initially um, because of the career path that I thought that I wanted at that time after uh, residency in medical school. That's just what inspired me was, you know, I was trying to think ahead of what I wanted my life to look like. And looking back now, that was an attempt to intentionally create my future, right? But it was heavily influenced by so many external forces that if I went back now, I I know I I probably wouldn't make the same choice. But uh, then again, I probably would make the same choice because, you know, it led me to where I'm at now. You know, it's just a place where I'm super excited to be in life. But it was just, you know, a way to, you know, when you're going through medical school and residency, it just feels like there's only one way to go, you know, like, and I, I wasn't really taught a whole lot of business and entrepreneurship in medical school. You know, we're not taught that. And it was something that my best friend was doing because she had joined the Navy. And so, you know, of course, my best friend is my, one of my biggest influencers. And so we both went down that route. I see. I see. Thank you. That, that That's really helpful to know because sometimes we feel like this is the path ahead of us and we think this is the only way to achieve the goal. And yet there are so many different routes yeah. how we can get there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it is not just like that with now. It's not now I see it's not just like that with something like medical school. It's like that with so many different things where people just get funneled into this path and they think that this is the only way. Right. And we get so caught up in the day to day studying and taking tests and doing what we have to do that we don't have the time to explore other avenues and possibilities. Right. Because there's infinite possibilities out there to do whatever it is we want to do. Exactly. I love it. There's infinite possibilities of what we can do. That's something we should keep in mind front and center. Um, now, so I, I really want to focus on what really helped you um, heal your body. So what were some of the things that you did and what was the most impactful, especially to heal yourself from the yo-yo dieting, the yo-yo dieting depression? Tell us more about that. So for me, the most impactful thing, and people normally think that I'm going to say, well, you know, I... I did a I did a gut health protocol. It took herbal antimicrobials. I used IgG. You know, I did all these things and medical foods. But um, and I did do a lot of those things, which really actually did really help me. But I would say the first and foremost, what got me there was meditation. And uh, I started doing uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza meditations probably. Gosh, almost seven years ago now, and um, I went. I had attended a really small retreat of his in Costa Rica, where there were very few people, and so you were able to get one-on-one time with him. You know, and I learned his style of meditation. And when I was able to learn one of his meditations, that was called the Blessing of the Energy Centers. I think that's what really connected me to my body and start like restoring my mind-body connection. Because when I did that um, and I coupled that along with my knowledge of, you know, how to how to heal these things on a functional medicine level, that was the key. Like that was like, you know, it wasn't just like one thing because I've done just meditation alone or just supplements and diet change alone, right? But when I couple them together, that was the one thing and it was that that really unlocked the keys for for me to to open up and receive healing very interesting so 
you know, meditation is so much uh, spoken about these days. For those, let's say, who are non-meditating often, or maybe it's a harder habit to get into, what would be your recommendation? You know, um, there's so, I mean, there's so many different forms of meditation out there. And what I like to tell people who um, can't get with like just sitting there and, and, you know, watching your breath and or counting, you know, I mean, there's so many different ways. Uh, I say just start exploring like guided visualizations, right? That's a really, I think it's a really easy segue just to start putting your focus into one place because we're not taught how to focus. And I think that's what turns off a lot of people to meditation, right? That, you know, the monkey mind and the thinking and they can't shut it off. So they feel like, oh, I can't meditate, but that's not true. And that's not the whole point. Like the, the, the whole point is not always to shut off the thoughts, right? They're always going to come. It's, I think it's um, realizing at some point that it, you know, to observe them and then refocus and redirect. Right. So um, I like, starting off people with guided visualizations, which you can get on YouTube for free, right? There's a, there's a billion of out there and start focusing on like on the music or the words, right? So like um, I, I work with a shaman and she puts me, she, she can help me do a grounding meditation where she takes me through a vis- visualization and I'm visualizing in my mind. And next thing you know, I'm coming out the other end feeling so relaxed because I'm focusing on what she's taking me through. Right. So I think that's a really great segue for a lot of people who where it's not appealing to them to like sit down and just focus your mind. Because if you if you're not someone who's practicing focus, right, if you're not someone who's like cultivating that practice and actually like, you know, we're not taught to focus or we're not taught to learn concentration. um, It's going to be hard to just like sit down and boom, you know, get it right. Totally, totally. Um, I, I like what he said. We're not taught um, concentration, right? Or like how to how to concentrate. That is so interesting. Yeah, I mean, we're not. I mean, think about it. We, we um, you know, we're, and the thing is concentration, I think, works along with your biology too. So like, you know, when we're kids in school, we're taught to sit down for long periods of time and, and, you know, we're not taught to learn how to focus. We're, we're just taught to like, okay, you sit there for this amount of time at a time where normally our bodies are like very awake and we actually should be doing like, you know, some physical activity. Right. So we're raised like fighting against our biology and we're not taught to have like a singular focus. And then when you want to do stuff like more, you know, um, you know, more sophisticated meditations where you have open focus, then it makes it so much harder. So, yeah. 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 So let's unpack that a little bit more. You said we are raised to fight our biology. Like, so I understand, let's say the example of kids sitting at school that not getting enough movement, right. And then just being told to listen and stay quiet or if I exaggerate that, what are some other ways how we're raised to fight our biology? I think that just the nine to five job is fighting biology, in my opinion. <laughs> We're not meant to be as sedentary as we are. That's why I, you know, I have a standing desk right? and I have, you know, things to help me not sit down during the day. I raise up my computer screen so it can be at eye level. So the way that things um, are kind of pruned in society for how we're supposed to function are actually working against our biology. Like there are times during the day where we should be more active, but we're like 
actually all sitting down at a computer looking at a screen, you know, so no wonder, right? I mean, to me, it's like, okay, well, no wonder you're exhausted at like five, six, seven p.m. You should be winding down. Right? You shouldn't be still, <laughs> you can't expect yourself to be like going hardcore and you know, cranking out creativity and content. Like, you know, like like why not work with your biology? Like if your cortisol level is meant to kind of drop before you go to bedtime then why are you fighting against that? That's just how I feel about it. And that's one of the reasons why I actually had to leave like the traditional conventional practice where I needed to be able to move my body when I needed to. You know, I needed to be my own boss because I needed to make my own schedule so that I could get up and walk when I needed to, when I needed to. The reason I did that was to enforce my healing, right? I was trying to heal my body and I couldn't do it when I was in a place that was forcing me to do some unnatural things and eat at unnatural times or work at unnatural times even. So that's kind of my two cents on that. And this brings the concept of the circadian rhythm into the conversation. So let's say if we were to listen to our biology, what should our ideal day look like? If we you know, had that flexibility and Let's say we have a job where we can control our schedule, or maybe we there are people who run their own businesses. How shall we better pay attention to our bodies so that we're aligned with its own needs? There's so many answers. We need to work with, just like you said, with circadian rhythm. So, you know, waking up when the sun comes up and laying down or going to sleep as the sun's going down, right? Or winding, at least winding down at that time and not stimulating your brain sunlight is super important. So we're not exposed to enough sunlight, obviously, anymore. But here's the thing, when you, uh, you know, when you're outside, your eyes, you know, you're are exposed to the sunlight, and your brain can kind of track where the sun is in the horizon and in the sky. So that's helping your circadian rhythm. So if we can And I know for some people, this is harder than others, right? I know not everybody can just like get up and have the schedule that they want right away. But waking up when the sun comes up and actually getting outside and having the sunlight like hit your eyes at that time is triggering your brain that, you know, it's time to get up, right? It's time to, it'll help your cortisol awakening response. It's time to like get going and get the creative juices moving. And then um, I tell most of my clients actually to get outside when the sun's coming down because that when the sun is coming down and then your brain will detect where the sun is in that line of horizon and it'll like start to boost like melatonin production and cortisol start dropping like your brain will naturally understand that it's you know night's coming right and it's time to slow down it's time for the body to rest and put you more in the parasympathetic state where you're in the rest and digest state to be able to fall asleep easily right so paying attention to the sun what else should we do how should we go about that day So I think um, also to um, activity is super important. Um, I think being more active uh, just earlier in the day is is really helpful. I find that um, for me personally, if I'm like doing, if I'm working out, if I'm I'm like trying to, uh, you know, get a workout in late at night, that's really going to throw me off. Um, And that's kind of fighting against my biology. So I tend to uh, workout um, earlier in the mornings. And I actually don't do my workout like right when I get up. I actually do it a little bit more earlier to mid-morning for me personally. That's what I find that works. But I think doing a workout earlier in the day rather than later is what's helpful too. 
totally. I've seen that <laughs> pattern with myself. Yeah, like, like like when your adrenals can kind of handle it too, right? A lot of people, you know, their cortisol profile just can't handle like a workout really late in the evening. And I've seen that, you know, some people are really pushing themselves after they get out of work to do so many different things, but that might be actually a time for them to start settling down. And so that can be fighting against your biology too. Yeah, I, I found it actually a lot more productive that also like as an entrepreneur, if I do devote the time to relaxation in the evening, I wake up so much more rejuvenated in the morning with the energy to actually conquer the world and do the things I want to do versus if I stay up late, you know, or then, you know, and I may even get maybe same amount of sleep, but it's so different or just allowing ourselves the time to slow down. Yes, I agree with that. I really agree with that. And you know what, that's actually a segue into another, another way that people can figure out how to work with their biology is that um, I have, you know, I wear an aura ring. And I think right now, you know, wearable technology can give us so much information about where our bodies are at in the moment, like, like real time information, right? So like, it's great to get lab testing and all that, um, and follow general advice. But um, I think nothing beats real time information. And so for me, Exactly. Like I found out like doing exactly what you said for me too. I've got to really wind down in the evenings to wake up like a boss in the next morning. <laughs> and I figured that out because of wearing my aura ring. And I didn't realize that about myself, but I was able to pinpoint a good time for me to go to bed and pinpoint a good evening routine. You know, we, we talk so much about morning routines. We forget about the evening routine. It's just as critical. Exactly, exactly. That's something I definitely figured, especially these days and the shutdown, right? There are so many temptations that are calling you and it's so easy to uh, just reach for it, right? Especially um, uh, in this age of, you know, easy access, like instant access to anything. Yeah. And then we can just end up being glued to our screens instead of, you know, being outside or just talking to people and um, or reading a book or doing something else. But um yeah, uh, technology can, can serve us, but it can also, <laughs> it's, it's a double-edged, double-edged sword. And it's funny, like I work for a tech company and there's a lot of benefits that have come from technology, but we need to find a way how to stay in control, right? Like not mm-hmm. to let these advancements um, get the best of us. So I'm curious, in your practice as a health coach, do you recommend wearables to your clients? Um, I do. Um, I do. And and the the ones that I... The ones that I like to recommend are like apart from their smartphone. So, you know, like Aura Ring for me is is, is one thing, one way that um, I recommend to them. And I also like HeartMath. I like a HeartMath device. Um, You can buy one that doesn't plug into your smartphone. But I think that's really helpful too, uh, to actually like do some breathing that will increase like coherence, like heart coherence. But there's a ton of stuff out there. I just learned about the hat bee, which is really sounds pretty amazing. That actually like can adjust your brainwave frequency. So that's like something I'm excited to try. And there's so much out there now. And if people aren't going to be as, you know, high tech with it, even just having like a Fitbit to count your steps, like if you're not doing anything, I think that could even help, you know, just to give you some self-awareness, right? Just give you some awareness as to like how you're living, what, you know, what your body's doing and keep you connected to your day so that you're living intentionally. Yes, this reminds me of a quote, what gets measured gets managed. Yep, I agree. 
Nice. Nice. So I, I want to pivot a little bit more into your specialty and what you do as a health coach. So uh, the health coach term is so um, well known right now, but still, I want to dive in and understand what is your definition of a health coach? This has evolved for me over years. And at this point, at this point, I think it's it's really just someone who's facilitating and guiding more than doing uh, like overt straight teaching. And I find that people respond better to that. You know, I think most people don't want to be told what to do. At least that's who I'm attracting in my world. I'm attracting people who want to know how to do it, right? It's like, okay, great. Like there's, and, and it's because we're really in this age well, we've, I think we're coming out of this age of information, right? Like we've had the internet now and, and we have, people have access to egregious amount of information, right? And they have access to information that's really high level. I mean, you can access almost anything um, and at any age too, like kids can access high level health information. But here's the thing. I think a coach is someone who helps you implement that, right? And, and help you discern what's right for you. So that's been my evolution into what that means because people would come to me as patients as a doctor and and I would tell them what to do and I would tell them it give them instructions you know and and give them the knowledge but now people are seeking out expert guidance because everyone's like googling what they got they want to know if it's right for them and like what to do and if it's working for them or not so that's my kind of evolution of the term I like that. I like that. It's true. As we continue to build our businesses, our definitions change, you know, our roles morph into, you know, deeper and better things. And it's true, you know, it's it's not as much about, you know, knowing what to do, but really having the guidance to do the small shifts that will actually help you, A, a like implement it, but focus on what can make the most difference for you, for your specific case. So I'm definitely a big advocate of that. Now, I want to specifically focus on your specialty, which is helping clients uh, detox for weight loss. So can you talk more about the role of detox? Why is it important and what role it plays in weight loss? Yeah, so that's like my favorite topic. What I do is I help women uh, lose weight that's um, hard to lose, right? Women who have been chronic yo-yo dieters, who've tried all the things, or they are already doing all the things and nothing's budging, right? I've been in all of those positions. And what I found is that a lot of the time they're addressing the wrong things when they're going about, you know, their weight loss journey. And what I've come to find out and put to, you know, design obviously for myself first was that a plan where, um, women can go undergo like a metabolic detox um, and along with, you know, a functional health type food plan to be able to jumpstart their metabolism and kind of reset the HPA axis and reset their hormones. And when I say hormones, I don't mean like the typical estrogen, testosterone. I'm talking about the real drivers of metabolism, like cortisol and insulin and this is all kind of fueled from my own personal journey too. I found that when a lot of people try to lose weight when they get to their like mid 30s and 40s and above, 
they've accumulated toxins, right, from our environment because we live in such a toxic environment now and we're not really taught how to basically detox on a daily. We're taught how to do like these binge detoxes. That's kind of what's fancy and sexy, right, uh, that people see. But there's also daily things that you can do to support your detox pathways, you know, in your liver and your gut. And so when I couple that with a plan, a functional nutrition health plan, I find that women can really move the needle on the scale in their sleep. And honestly, one of the biggest things that uh, helps drive the detox process is not just what they take, but it's also what they remove and what they support. So people think, you know, when they think of detox, they think in terms of, okay, what can I take to detox? But the question people really should be asking is not just what they can take, but what can they remove and what can they support to facilitate the whole process? Because the process, you know, detox is happening in your body 24-7, right? When, from, <laughs> when you're bored, so, you know, the moment you pass. And so we just have, and with the toxic environment that we're in now, we have to learn how to support that. And when we try to limit calories and we try to fast and we try to work out and sweat and exercise to lose weight, we are actually releasing those toxins into our internal environment. And that's what can make people feel really bad, you know, in terms of brain fog and headache and blood sugar instability, because these toxins are affecting their body, uh, you know, their nervous system, their brain, their tissues and making them feel bad. So, um, I have a, you know, so my, my approach is a different approach. And so this is how um, I'm helping women. Um, and this is how I help myself. And um, I'm passionate about it because it's teaching uh, basic skills um, that I feel like they should know just to be healthy overall. Totally, totally. So can you give me some more examples? Let's say you're working with a woman who, whose weight uh, is just stubborn, right? Uh, like she can't lose weight. Maybe she, you know, has very low energy. What uh, would be an example of the functional nu nutrition plan that you would put her on? Or like, yeah, just curious about some more specifics. Yeah, so there's definitely a portion of the food plan um, that we, where we eliminate uh, certain things like grains, sugar, and dairy. And there's a period of time where we do that in What I find is that after, you know, uh, six weeks of doing that, they really have a restored connection with their body and they have uh, definitely, they come out definitely at the other end with a different, you know, with, with a different microbiome, right? So they're obviously incorporating organic food and organic vegetables. So what I find is that most people aren't eating the daily amount of vegetables required in a week's time. So we really go in on restructuring the time with, with, with which in they eat um, and also the structure of the food on the plate. And then, then we're eliminating a lot of dietary triggers for inflammation. That's really kind of the core pieces that go into it. And it's definitely helpful when I pair that with the food plan with uh, doing more parasympathetic inducing activities to really promote the rest and digest so that I know that the food plan that they're getting is actually going to do them some good and not just pass right through them. Totally. So let's say if we were to focus on how to structure your food or your meals, like what would be your recommendations here? So it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. 
Um, and what I do is, um, you know, we I prepare women for the detox and then they go through it. And then at the other end, they learn a maintenance plan. So for instance, to, to get them prepared to even be able to withstand a detox, what I do is um, I help we eliminate, uh, we start by eliminating gluten. Uh, we start by eliminating sugar and dairy. And so we structure the plate so that um, what they're having is 70% uh, fresh, like produce, plant-based, and then 30% like, you know, protein and and from there. So, um, and then, you know, obviously there's healthy fats, right? So, so it's like a 70, 30 sort of like plant-based and then 30%, uh, you know, like, ana- like animal. Um, <clears throat> if I'm working with vegans or vegetarians, it's a little bit different, but um, that's the mainstay of their structure, like as they prepare. All right. Uh, I know at the time we have here together is flying by fast. So I want to be mindful of your time. The last big topic I want to talk about is the mind-body connection. You spoke about it a little bit before, but I really want to dive deeper into this and understand the role it plays um, in our overall um, mental, physical, emotional health. So if you could talk a little bit more about that, it would be fantastic. Yeah, so um, I really believe that that mind-body connection is so important for healing And if you're just trying to go about healing your gut or, you know, transforming symptoms or losing weight, if you're only solely white knuckling it, you know, with what you're eating and what supplements you're taking, you're really missing the boat on that whole mindset portion. So, um, you know, for me, um, emotions are a big part of that too. So when I say mind, I, I guess it's a, my, my big umbrella term for like mindset and emotions, because I, I really feel like mindset can be a big driver of emotions and emotions can also be a big driver of what your mindset looks like. So, uh, you know, w- the relationship we have with our body, I is the closest relationship you'll ever have in your life. Right. And it's there from the cradle to the grave, you are with you 24-7. And what I found in working with people is that, you know, by the time they're stuck at a certain weight and they can't lose weight or they have, you know, a whole constellation of symptoms, what's happened is the this uh, relationship with their body is so is is really broken, you know, and and there there's this, there's kind of this trust that's lost. And so if you're only going about trying to heal with only, you know, supplements and diet, you're really, uh, you're not really trusting that your body knows what to do. And you're not, there's no two-way conversation happening. You know, you're not listening to what it's telling you that it needs. And I know for me, if I had really established a better mind-body connection 10 years ago, uh, I would be in a totally different place because my body was screaming at me uh, to not work so much, <laughs> You're right. not, not burn the candle at both ends. And that, you know, now I, I'm at a place where I literally talk to my body and I'm restoring, you know, like the trust, like I've restored the trust where I'm, I'm, I'm literally letting my body know that you listen, you can trust me. You can trust that I'm going to eat the right foods. Right. And my body wants to know that I trust it. So I'm letting my body know too, Hey, I'm going to trust you. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking this. This is what I feel is good. And I'm going to trust that you're going to let me know whether this is like the, you know, the right path or not. 
right? And the way that, you know, the different ways to tune into your body are obviously like listening to your symptoms, you know, um, sitting in silence or like meditation with it. That's, that's something that I do. Um, but there's that, you know, that, that reconnection of the mind, the mind, it's like, it's like a, um, you know, with all the processed food and all of the stress and everything that's going on, there's all the static between the communication of your mind, body, you know, and emotions. But what I like to help, you know, people reestablish when I put them through my program is that they can, res- they, they clear up that static and they restore that connection. So that they let the body know, like, hey, you can trust me now. It, we're gonna, it's going to be okay. Like, I'm, I'm done letting all these external things affect us because I know that we are the number one relationship here on Earth. That's so true. The best place to really start a healing journey is from a place of love, like from the place of really wanting to heal your body, but even like just be kind, practice that kindness. And that's something I really needed to learn. It wasn't... Uh, something that, uh, you know, I, I knew how like right away, but it's the small actions that uh, snowball into bigger things that kind of matter over time. So I, I really like what you said about trusting the body and, and trusting it. It will let you know if you're not going in the right direction or if you need to tweak things just by listening. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to listen, right? I mean, you can even listen by stepping on the scale, Right. It doesn't have to be like all of a sudden you're this like Zen Buddhist monk who like can tune into your organs. Right. <laughs> but I mean, just stepping on the scale and like the next day after eating like a salty meal and, you know, like you gain one or two pounds of water rate and you're like, oh, OK, body, you didn't like that meal. Like or I had too much salt. You know, it's, it's something that's simple and subtle. You know, it doesn't have to be this, you know, super duper fancy. Right. Like, you, you, you know, and there's ways to cultivate even that subtle practice into something that's deeper, right? So yeah, I'm a total believer in in that trusting your body for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So if we were to unpack this some more, what are some other ways how the body speaks to us, right? What are the subtle clues that we should pay attention to? So obviously physical symptoms are a really, are like basically your body screaming at you, <laughs> you know, that there's something missing or something needs to change or it's, it's um, you know, there's something that needs to be replaced or detoxed, right? Like removed and listening to your symptoms. And also, you know, when, when your weight's changing, um, a lot of women say, why does the scale, like, why do I, why am I, um, you know, I step on the scale one week you know, and I, I've lost a certain number of pounds and then I get back on a few days later and it's right back up, you know, and they're trying to diet. They're trying to exercise. To me, you know, when I went through that, that was, you know, telling me that, okay, this is not like, I'm not going about things the right way. So obviously if you're trying to achieve a goal and you're not able to get there, that's like, you know, a kind of a telltale sign. So, you know, if you're starting like an exercise program and you, and you know, you know, you start feeling a lot of pain or getting a lot of joint pain from it, that's probably not the right thing for you to do. I think it's like that simple, you know, and for me, when I was uh, much heavier, I would just start jogging again. And that was like my go-to thing when I was younger, you know, but then I'd get like a lot of knee pain. I was like, okay, let me listen. (laughs) This is not the right thing because I probably need to lose some weight right before I, I can make things easier on my joints. So I started doing something else. Right. And it felt good and it helped me. And that's when things started moving. So I think it's as subtle as that, as listening to your symptoms. Um, And also, I think, you know, emotion wise is really huge. So, 
if you're experiencing, you know, a lot of anxiety, trouble sleeping, this episodic depression that I know, right, like so many people go through, that's also saying that, you know, your body talking to you um, because it can talk to you in different ways. And there's sometimes this little voice that we suppress that's telling us we shouldn't be doing something or not, right? And it's there to protect us. But, you know, listening to that, listening to that intuition, you know, it's it's a really important way, I think, for you to tap in and, and figure out kind of some discernment for what's going on with yourself. Yes, intuition is so important and having the confidence to trust your own in- intuition. Wow, nah, I feel like we could be talking about this forever. This has been so interesting and I enjoyed our conversation so much because I do have a few more parting or questions before we part today. One of which is, I know we talked a lot about many different things. Is there something you really want to share with the listeners that we haven't spoken about yet? Yeah, so much I could share. But, <laughs> of, of, but I, you know, I really want people to understand that when you have hard to lose weight, you know, you have a lot of symptoms and you feel unhealthy and you're trying to get healthy. I really want to express how important it is to really address mindset and your emotions and also take a good look at, you know, where you're at in life, right? I think that creating intentionally and and, and moving towards life goals intentionally are a big part of what can make us sick. Like when we, when we're out of alignment with that, you know, and uh, you want to really design your life. So it's aligned with your core values and core beliefs. So, you know, getting clear on the kind of life you want to live and what your beliefs are first, you know, and then when you live from that place, all of your choices, your behaviors and actions, they actually align and they, they happen so much easily. I mean, so much easier to get you to your goal to like lose that, you know, get to that weight loss goal or eliminate those symptoms or reverse that disease. Right. So that, you know, some people may need to like, for me, it was like quit my job. Right. It was like this big pivot that I had to make in life, but I really ignored that emotional part. And I really ignored that, you know, where my life was at before I started healing. Uh, And once I did delve into that part of myself, and started to listen to my intuition and started to decide. It was just a decision, right? I made a firm decision that was like unwavering that I was going to live a life uh, full of energy and be vibrant and be able to rejuvenate myself without external factors uh, so that I could, you know, just live live at my highest potential. So that's when things started to move for me. And I, I hope that people understand, you know, that's part of the journey. Absolutely. Declaring your why, your commitment, your vision, and uh, not looking back. I love that. Excellent. So, uh, Liana, since this is a Fearless Warrior podcast, what does being a warrior mean to you? A warrior to me is someone who is unapologetic about their beliefs and their values and their mission, right? So someone who is so unapologetic that they're okay with the naysayers, right? They're okay with all of the the bumps in the road that are going to come their way. Um, you know, someone who's very clear on their beliefs and they're willing to stop at nothing to live in alignment and live in the true nature of their purpose to carry out those beliefs in this lifetime. 
Outstanding. Willing to stop at nothing to live in alignment. Excellent. I had such a great time today with you. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. Now, I imagine that a lot of people will want to learn more about you. So what's the best way to, uh, best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, so Facebook is, I have a, a pretty poppin' Facebook group. And, um, you know, there's a lot of ladies in there who are excited to learn about different ways to, to lose weight in terms of detox. So Facebook is a really great way. I'm also on Instagram and I do answer my own messages. So like, you know, anyone could DM or PM me and um, uh, connect through there. Outstanding. Please do that. Liana is full of knowledge, excitement for health and wellness, ready to help you. So no matter if you're struggling with weight loss or gut health or other things, uh, Liana can be just the right partner for you. Liana, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best in uh, keeping yourself fully energized, serving your clients and, and helping them achieve the same. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love this podcast and what you're doing. And it's such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. And to all of you, implement one of the things you heard today. There's so much we shared. So review your notes and do one thing that can help you improve your health. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you for spending some time with me. And most of all, for investing time in yourself. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. This will greatly help us spread the word and help others find it more easily. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Denny Timras. Shoot me a note and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. I always welcome any feedback or questions. Remember... Now that you're here, you're part of a tribe. In this tribe, we care for each other. We lift each other up as well as share the raw, honest, unpolished truth that we often need to hear. So before you go, think about the next best action you can take to get you on your path to success. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make a commitment and do it now. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great day.